0: Section twenty three of A Book of Sibyls by Anne Thackeray Ritchie. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Opie, part one. Mrs. Opie, seventeen sixty nine to eighteen fifty three. Your gentleness shall force more than your force move us to gentleness. As you like it. It is not very long since some articles appeared in the Cornhill magazine, which were begun under the influence of certain ancient bookshelves, was so pleasant a flavor of the old world that it seemed, at the time, as if yesterday, not today, was the all-important hour, and one gladly submitted to the subtle charm of the past, its silent veils, its quiet incantations of dust and healing cobweb. The phase is but a passing one with most of us and we must soon feel that to dwell at length upon each one of the pretty fancies and folios of the writers and explorers who were born towards the end of the last century would be an impossible affectation and yet a postscript seems to be wanting to the sketches which have already appeared of mrs barbold and miss edgeworth and the names of their contemporaries should not be quite passed over in a hundred charming types and prints and portraits we recognize the well-known names as they used to appear in the garb of life grand ladies in broad loops or feathers or graceful and charming as nymphs in muslin folds with hanging clouds of hair or again in modest quaffs such as the dear jane austen loved and wore even in her youth hannah more only took to quaffs and wimples in later life in early days she was fond of splendor and as we read had herself painted in emerald earrings how many others besides her are there to admire who does not know the prim sweet amply frilled portraits of mrs trimmer and joanna bailey only yesterday a friend showed me a sprightly dark-eyed miniature of felicia hemans perhaps most beautiful among all her sister muses smiles the lovely head of amelia opie as she was represented by her husband with luxuriant chestnut hair piled up romney fashion in careless loops with the radiant yet dreaming eyes which are an inheritance for some members of her family the authoresses of that day had the pre-eminence in looks in gracious dress and bearing but they were rather literary women than anything else and had little in common with the noble and brilliant writers who were to follow them in our own more natural and outspoken times whose wise sweet passionate voices are already passing away into the distance of whom so few remain to us the secret of being real is no very profound one and yet how rare it is how long it was before the readers and writers of this century found it out it is like the secret of singing in perfect tune or of playing the violin as joachim can play upon it in literature as in music there is at times a certain indescribable tone of absolute reality which carries the reader away and for the moment absorbs him into the mind of the writer some metempsychosis takes place it is no longer a man or a woman turning the pages of a book it is a human being being suddenly absorbed by the book itself living the very life which it records breathing the spirit and soul of the writer such books are events not books to us new conditions of existence new selves suddenly revealed through the experience of other more vivid personalities than our own the actual experience of other lives is not for us but this link of simple reality of feeling is one all independent of events it is like the miracle of the loaves and fishes repeated and multiplied one man comes with his fishes and lo the multitude is filled but this simple discovery that of reality that of speaking from the heart was one of the last to be made by women in france madame de sevigny and madame de Lafayette were not afraid to be themselves but in england the majority of authoresses kept their readers carefully at pen's length and seemed for the most part to be so conscious of their surprising achievements in the way of literature as never to forget for a single instant that they were in print with the exception of jane austen and maria edgeworth the women writers of the early part of this century were as i have just said rather literary women than actual creators of literature it is still a mystery how they attain to their great successes Francis burney charms great burke and mighty johnson and wise macaulay in later times mrs opie draws compliments from mackintosh and compliments from the duchess of saxe-coburg and Sydney smith and above all tears from walter scott perhaps many of the flattering things addressed to mrs opie may have said not less for her own charm and sweetness of nature than for the merit of her unassuming productions she must have been a bright merry and fascinating person and compliments were certainly more in her line than the tributes of tears which she records the authoresses of heroines are often more interesting than the heroines themselves and amelia opie was certainly no exception to this somewhat general statement a pleasant sprightly authoress beaming bright glances on her friends confident intelligent full of interest in life carried along in turn by one and another influence she comes before us a young and charming figure with all the spires of Norwich for a background, and the sound of its bells, and the stir of its assizes, and she issues from her peaceful home in her father's tranquil old house, where the good physician lives widowed, tending his poor and his sick, and devotedly spoiling his only child. End of section twenty three.